Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Baseball show is presented by BetMGM. Start betting with the king of sportsbooks. You can tell them just baseball sent you if you want. Um, thanks to BetMGM for what we got going on here. Because we're all in the same, I guess, if you, if you were to like stack it, you know, just by square footage on the ground, we're probably all in the same 500 square feet, maybe a thousand square feet. But we're in three different rooms, man. Like, yep. shout out BetMGM for putting us up here in Seattle. And uh, we figured, well, we could all sit in the same spot. Uh, however, um, you know, we're, maybe we're, Zoom, we're Zoom merchants. That's basically yes. what we are. Like the Zoom, it's easier for audio and, you know, getting together in one room is always fun. But we're just so used to the Zoom. But yes, we are brought to you by BetMGM. Use promo code just baseball when you sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit betmgm.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1 800 Gambler, and you must be 21 or older. We got a lot of draft stuff to talk about, gentlemen. 
We've got a lot of draft stuff. Uh, we are going to preview the home run derby real quick at the tail end, but um, we just talked for what three hours through the first <laughs> round of the draft, and yeah. uh, it was an awesome event with our friends at eBay at Gantry Public House in Seattle. That was amazing, and uh, I mean, it, it has been so much fun being in Seattle and and being you know, across the street from where the magic happened last night. Yeah. Peter yeah. got a sick hat and now yeah, he's wearing a fitted hat. backwards, which is kind of a weird look Arm, What do you think? It's very baseball. It's fitted back. It's like a catcher look. Ken Griffey. Catcher. Yeah. Ken Griffey. Sure. Sure. Or, or, I understand what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's Kyle Teal, who we'll talk about, but <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an awesome event. My voice is shot by the way, because it was so loud in there. Those who, who hung out with us on the draft stream. Thank you so much. It was, it was a lot of fun hanging out with you guys and we're going to be doing a stream for the all-star game too. So definitely look out for that. That'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot more quiet and my voice will hopefully be regenerated by then. Um, It was, it was a blast doing the live stream with you guys. And, and honestly, it, the draft is just it, it, there's so many storylines within storylines within storylines and it just was so perfect this year because it, it felt like we had no idea what was going to happen obviously we didn't know who was going to go 1-1 by by the time draft came around it was very clear that Dylan Cruz was not going 1-1 which is really funny because it was one thing to like know that there was a chance that he wouldn't get taken but it was another thing to to know before the draft started that there was no chance that the slam dunk number 1 pick was going to go number 1 um, you know, and you could just tell by the betting odds. You would, if you put ten ten dollars down, you would have won a thousand. Like that, or excuse me, would have won a hundred. Excuse me, it was plus a thousand odds. That's crazy. Um, so we'll we'll talk about obviously the way the whole draft shook out. But it was just funny. I think that the first pick kind of set the tone for what was an, a pretty pretty chaotic first round. And you know, every draft is chaotic. I always think of last year with Kumar Rocker going three, like no one was ready for that. But I thought this year was was one of the more unpredictable drafts in recent memory for the board, I'm like every section. Yeah. So, so funny. Oh no. I was just going to say, it's funny that arm says that um, there was no way anyone thought that Dylan Cruz was going to go number one. I was one of the morons who decided to place a little bit of my uh, coin on Dylan Cruz plus a thousand. And the reason I did it was I personally thought Dylan Cruz was the best player in this draft. And I thought there was a lot of smoke screens, right? We, we, talked at nauseam about the Scott Boris stuff about how the pirates said that they're going to take the best player available that, you know, according to Ben McDonald, I think on pirates radio, they said that the conversation with Dylan Cruz went really well. I thought it was a lot of back and forth potentially basically saying, Hey, you know, we're doing our due diligence and we're trying to get Scott Boris to come down from the eight figure bonus that he was looking for, but it ended up being Paul Skeens and, I think we all uttered the same sentiment that as long as you drafted Paul Skeens, Wyatt Langford, or Dylan Cruz, you were coming out a winner, and they certainly did. Yeah, wait. So Ben Ben McDonald was on Pirates Radio. The, it's the late here. It's late here. It could have been anybody. I'm pretty well, sure it was I'm Ben McDonald. Like, somebody. Either makes sense. Was it the Pirates GM or was it Ben McDonald? Was it Ben Charrington or Ben McDonald? It was not Ben Charrington. It, I mean, it so I guess it would have been Ben McDonald, who's an yeah, LSU guy and probably yeah. knows Cruz really well. But I was curious because Charrington said some really interesting things um, leading up to the draft uh, about it on on his weekly show, which was on Sunday you know, morning or I guess afternoon. They played on the West Coast. Um, Charrington said firmly, we're taking the best player in the draft. Yeah. So yeah. before we move on, like what, what I think we want to do here is – 
I personally want to walk us through the top five, just kind of pick by pick, you know, what what we loved, what made sense, what didn't make sense. Uh, and then I know we're going to pick some some picks that we loved and some picks that we didn't love. Um, but I want to pose the question to both you guys. Ben Charrington firmly said we're taking who we believe is the best player in the draft. Do you think the Pirates took the best player in the draft 1-1? <laughs> I think they took the most dominant player in the draft. And, and I think, you know, it, that's such like GM speak. Oh, we're taking the best player in the draft. And then whoever you take, you're going to stand behind it and say, we took the best player in the draft. But I think you can stand behind that and say, I mean, we're comparing a pitcher to a hitter is, is very difficult. You took by far the best pitching prospect. You took one of the best pitching prospects we've seen in some time. And, you know, you can make a very sound argument that, the guy that dominated college baseball to a one six nine ERA on the way to a national championship and struck out 209 batters while walking 20 is the best player in the draft. And I think that's, that's what they can, you know, kind of get behind there. I will always be of the belief. And like Peter said, it's, it's, it's pretty much that I think we're across the board here that when it comes to using your most valuable asset and cashing that in, whether that's the number one pick, whether that's trading a, a, you know, player that a superstar player that gets you a massive return. Like we'll talk about the Juan Soto package. There's a reason why Harlan Susana and, and Mackenzie Gore were two of the pieces, but they needed a lot of position players. And if you're getting a pitcher, you needed a, a big league ready arm. Like they got with Gore. When you look at a lot of big packages, I never want a pitcher to be one of the centerpieces, a pitching prospect to be one of the big pieces that I'm getting in a deal. I want the position player because pitchers are so volatile and there's so many things out of your control. Look at the Marlins. They got Sixto back in a JT Real Muto trade, and now they have nothing to show for it. Um, you look at Daniel Espino, who is my can't miss top pitching prospect, you know, that was so excited about he isn't thrown since we ranked him in the top 20. Like there's just so much volatility that comes with arms. And, you know, you had two slam dunks with, with Dylan Cruz and, and Wyatt Langford. But I think if you were going to not take one of those two Skeens is the no brainer. And for the pirates, it's one of those where it's like, they can't develop arms. It's been a struggle for them. You know, it seemed like Roanti Contreras was like a, a finished product. He seemed like he was ready to go. And now he's struggling. We talked about it with Walker Bueller. Walker was saying there's certain college arms you draft and you don't touch them. And Paul Skeens is a guy you draft and don't touch. And I think they needed a guy that they draft and don't touch. There was only two guys in this class that I think are draft and don't touch. It's Skeens and it's Rhett Louder. Dolander's going to need help. One yeah. more so than the other. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, and, um, I uh, unless Arm, you have anything. That's, that, that's it. That's where I'm like, they needed a guy that you could draft and not touch, and they weren't getting that in this draft outside of of Paul Skeens. You're, you're not drafting Red Louder, number one, as much as I love the Louder pick for the Reds. Yeah, I, I personally think that I would have taken Dylan Cruz or Wyatt Langford above Paul Skeens. Yeah. But at the same time, what I said at the beginning of this episode, you couldn't mess it up. If you took any of those three... Yeah. You're in the money and you won the draft. Like yeah. taking Paul Skeens, um, I saw that Paul Skeens right now has a 132 weighted stuff plus on the fastball and a 124 weighted stuff plus on the slider. And those are from driveline. It's kind of like, um, think of it in WRC plus terms. It's grading the individual pitches. 100 is league average. So right now, a 132 weighted stuff plus on his fastball would place him number two in Major League Baseball right now. Spencer Schreider is number one at 145. Garrett Cole 
is number two at 126. If we're talking about the 124 weighted stuff plus on the slider, that would place him right behind Sonny Gray, who has the seventh best slider in baseball. So the pitch mix is elite. We talk about, you know, well, Skeens is fastball. The shape isn't that great analytically. It's 102 and he has command with it. Like at a certain point, you got to tip your cap because he has some of the best stuff already in baseball by stuff grades. But I agree with Aram in the sense of I I have to go with the hitter. And it's not just some good hitters that we're dealing with. Dylan Cruz, I think, is going to be a perennial all-star. The more I watch White Langford, the more I fall in love with this guy. So having Paul Skeens three in this draft is no disrespect to Paul Skeens at all. Because I think in if we go back the last 10 drafts, Paul Skeens might be number five in terms of all the draft prospects taken in the last 10 years. Right. So you so, go for like Torkelson and Rutschman and exactly. Yeah. Like if we go through all of them, Paul Skeens is right there. Mm-hmm. That's just how loaded this draft was. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the pirates went Paul Skeens, number one, it is also in a position of need. Like you said, we were talking about outfield, right? Of course, you know, I think when you're getting that down to it, they look at need a little bit, right? You look at Henry Davis, who's playing more games in right field. Jack Sawinski, and then they just locked up Brian Reynolds. So they're outfield, I guess. They didn't feel like they needed well, one. And all of these guys needed... are going to get there quick. All of these guys, exactly. so you have to look at that. Like, yeah, I know you're feel... taking best player available, but all three of these guys are going to be fast-tracked. They couldn't lose. You take one of those guys, you could lose. So shout out to the Pirates. They could yeah. lose, and they did lose. No, they, no. they could have lost if they did take the high schooler, and we're going to get to a team that lost no. in the top five. Um, two, this is going to be lightning quick. The Nats took Dylan Cruz at two. Good pick. He fell into their lap. They picked him. That's my take. I have no yeah. take other than love him. Yeah. I'm obsessed with him. Yeah. Great job, Nats. You picked a perennial all-star. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll kind of provide the context because, you know, I think people find some interest in this and like it's a little tease of the top 100. You know, where will these guys slot in? I can't tell you exactly because we're, we're still hashing that out. But I can tell you Dylan Cruz will immediately be a top 10, you know, top 12 prospect in baseball and, and you get that guy at number two, like that's pretty damn awesome. We talked about on the stream. The one thing that I, that I really highlighted here is not only do you get, you know, a top, top 12 prospect in baseball, probably top 10. This was a system with, with some volatility. You know, a lot of their top end guys are extremely volatile. And now you get one of the safest prospects in some time. I, you know, I think everything that Spencer Torkelson was in terms of a safe bat, you have a guy that's even safer now because he can play center field and there's way more pressure on Torkelson's bat at first base. There's not as much pressure on Cruz's bat, even if he's a slightly above average hitter in the big leagues for a couple of years. Okay. He's playing center field. He's giving you a lot of value in a lot of different ways. And I think that's kind of one of the low end outcomes. This guy is going to be really good for a long time. And I think nationals fans have to be thrilled. And I know that we, a lot of people are expecting schemes. I think for where the Nats are at, they're better off with Cruz. And and I think you got to be really pumped to get him. If I'm the Nats, I'd prefer Dylan Cruz. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it. I think they are a clear winner because they drafted the best guy in the draft. Yeah. What do you think 100%. of three? <laughs> Max Clark. Yeah. Um, this was the interesting one. And I think, I don't know. I guess the way that we probably forecasted it was, you know, at the tail end, it was Lankford one, Skeens two, Cruz three. Uh, leading up to this, it was Cruz one, Skeens two, Lankford three. We were thinking those three were going to go in order. Um, I was thinking if if a high school guy was going to jump into the top three, 
it would have been the Carolina kid, Walker Jenkins. But it was not. Jenkins went five. We'll get to him in a moment. It was Max Clark from Franklin Community in Indiana. Max Clark, maybe the most hyped high schooler in recent memory. Um, listen, Max Clark, I, Aram, I think you summed it up really well at the end of last week. Super freaking talented, man. And he's got the chance to be like a legitimate, really good big league player. But lack of competition in Indiana, I've seen it you know, in person several times. Um, and, and I don't know, just the idea that you have like a, a, a larger than life type guy and Walker Jenkins sitting here, like Jenkins is carved out of stone and looks like a stud. Clark has some serious things that he's got to work on. This just felt like a flub of a pick at yeah. three, especially when you had Langford on the board. And Langford on the board, man. I mean, this was the one where I, you know, there was a couple picks, but that where like I had friends that, you know, in the industry or or players or whatever that were reaching out to me saying, "What the hell?" This was the number one where I got the most "What the hells?" Um, and I know, I know, you you got a couple funny "What the hells," Jack, too, from from some funny people. So like, it, it's just. It's one of those things where it's like I, I just don't know where where their heads at. And again, this is not a this is not a, a bashing of of Max Clark, who could be a very very good baseball player. Uh, my, my thing is, you know, you you look at Wyatt Langford there specifically. Walker Jenkins, I think, is a better option too. But but let's say you can pick high school guys and you can make whatever you want in terms of a conclusion. Let's compare Walker Jenkins to to, to Max Clark here. Uh, or, or, excuse me, Wyatt Langford. I excuse me, Wyatt Langford to Max it's Clark here. here in Seattle. Give yes, us, give us a second. It's, so, it's so late. we had streams all day. Yeah. So when you have somebody like like Wyatt Langford, the floor is higher, and the ceiling's higher. It, it's just that simple to me. Like Wyatt Langford has a higher floor and a higher ceiling, a track record of hitting in the SEC, and way more power upside. Uh, we talk about competition. We're comparing Indiana competition in high school to battle-tested SEC, big stage, college world series, all of the analytics, all the underlying metrics and, and data I was able to pull on Langford is extremely impressive. The bats of ball skills are, are defy what you see from the power. It, it's, it's just a rare blend of the two. People were talking about how close, you know, White Langford has been able to close the gap on somebody like Dylan Cruz. To me, that this was the, the most mind-numbing, like insane pick of the draft because it to me, it boils down to, to that statement that I just had, which was, you drafted a guy with a lower floor and lower ceiling for probably right around the same amount of money. The the rumors are, and and some of the reports are that he's going to get about the full slot value or close to it. It makes absolutely no sense. Scott Harris went college heavy last year and uh, he overthought this one. I think this is going to be a a big mistake when people look back. I, I, and again, he could be a good baseball player. But I, I think this is going to be going to be laughed at for a little while. What I think you're saying is this was the edgy pick. <laughs> I think it yes. was edgy. Yeah. Let, let me let me play devil's advocate just for a minute, even though I agree with you guys. Just to, you know, Tigers fans are are looking for, you know, a beam of positivity. And let me try and give it to them. Would you have taken him at number five? Right. If you're the yeah. Minnesota Twins, let's say Wyatt Langford went three. Walker Jenkins went four. And now you're on the board and you're probably going to go Max Clark, right? So that's why it's not like they took a guy who we projected to be the 23rd pick or we projected to be the 17th pick. I think there was a five in this draft. It was the three college guys, the two high school guys. So while I agree with you guys, would I have gone Max Clark at three? Absolutely not. But they didn't draft some flub, right? And I think that's the main point. And I know that 
that was a rhetorical question. Like, would have would you have loved him at five? Um, but the answer is yes, because Lankford and Jenkins are already gone. That's what I'm saying too. Yeah. It's, That's what I'm, say that the, the main the, point is. I wasn't. We were not trying to push that Max Clark is our 19th ranked prospect. No, and they he, reached he beyond. Five. He was five, and they got him at three. So they must see something that they absolutely love. And I think all three of us are aligned where we aren't as high as Scott Harris is on Max Clark. But that doesn't mean that Max Clark can't be a really good player. I just think that you passed on a perennial all-star in Wyatt Langford. And I think you could make the argument that Walker Jenkins has as much upside as anybody in this entire draft. I fell in love with Walker Jenkins the more I watched him. And Max Clark, I really like. And I think that's what we're talking about here. You had in a draft loaded with some of the best prospects that we have seen in a very long time, you reached when you didn't have to. Yeah, it, it's it's not who who they took, it's who they didn't take. And exactly and that's that's the, point. that's the head scratcher for me. Yeah. Um and again, I tell you, like Walker Jenkins digging into that, that was one of my favorite dives a few months ago and just seeing that swing and the, the tools that complement that. Like he's a special talent. Again, just way more upside than than Max Clark. Uh so it it, it was an interesting one. At the end of the day, they they're getting a player that's instantly going to be one of their better prospects. And you know, I think I, I'm gonna have to decide you know where exactly he is on the top 100 probably very much in the back end if that and like that kind of puts it in perspective though like for me Jenkins is a top 75 prospect Langford is a top 25 prospect Max Clark is, is a fringy, fringy top 100 guy fringy top 100 guys so it's it, it, that's just the shocker to me if they saved big money I'd get it but they're not from, from by, by all indications um, but it worked out really well for the next couple teams Quick question um, before we jump to four and five. And I think these are going to be lightning quick conversations. Is Paul Skeens in the conversation for best pitching prospect in baseball when the top 100 comes out? It, dude, there's it's a so lot crazy. of graduations. It's lots. so crazy. Yes. He's may instantly be the best. So, and you have to look at it from that perspective too. So you're instantly getting the arguable best pitching prospect. I mean, Kate Horton has a case. Um, I think. Painter. Andrew Painter is probably going to be that guy, even despite the the elbow issues that we, you know, it's been very murky there. Younger. Um, but he's younger. younger. Yeah, Painter yeah that's younger. a thing. You get Tommy John return and still be younger. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be Painter number one for me, even even if he's on ice. But yeah, I think Paul Skeens immediately is a top three pitching prospect in baseball. Where does Paul Skeens go as a hitter for you? In the top, <laughs> I gotta see him hit. Honestly, I don't know, but I know he's. I know he's hell bent on going two ways, right? You see the max exit velocities? He's up there, dude. Oh, I'm sure. He, I'm sure he hits the shit out of balls. I can't yeah. wait for him to play Shohei Otani for the Indianapolis Indians. Like three hitting <laughs> starting pitcher. That's gonna be so funny <laughs> at the Vic on a Wednesday afternoon against the Toledo Mudhens. It's gonna be so much fun. Um, four and five, really quick. Wyatt Lankford four to Texas. He fell into their lap. This was the My gift of the draft. Texas Rangers, you fucking dogs. You yeah. killed it. Wyatt Lankford is going to be a it? star. Did, did they kill it? I asked yes. you, like, I think you have to be five years old and not know ball in order to not kill it when Lankford. Yeah, my there. mom my mom kills the draft if she's a Texas Rangers GM. 
my mom crushes that. My mom 100% makes that pick. But um, no, so here's here's it was like a fantasy when you're on auto draft. Yeah. And for some reason, a couple guys in your league like drafted, accidentally drafted a guy too high. And then the guy didn't even show up. It got yeah, the, like the Christian best guy. Steal. Seven. <laughs> yeah. steal. And you have the pick after him. And you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like Chris Young I'm didn't good. even need to be there. He no, he could have auto drafted. Just be like, just draft best available. Oh, we got Wyatt Langford. Perfect. Langford's there. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Chris Young could have actually gone been on auto draft. But the, 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 the one thing that stands out to me, for, uh, the one thing I just want to add, nothing, not really about the pick, just about what this means for the Texas Rangers. They have one of baseball's best farm systems. You know, it, it's it's insane. You know, they're going to be buyers. I've already been putting together the Dylan Cease proposals. But now that you get a top 25 prospect in baseball, probably top 20 prospect in baseball immediately in Wyatt Langford, uh, you can feel real good about about trading guys. I think you can feel really good about moving somebody. And Evan Carter is a top 10 outfield prospect for, for me, you know, in a top 10 prospect period in baseball, bordering top five. So now you have two of the better outfield prospects in the entire game. They don't have to trade either of those guys. They can put together some freak packages now and, and still have a really loaded system. The Rangers are cooking with fire now. And I think it's a great time to be a Texas Rangers fan. And, and Langford is just the cherry on top of what's been a really special year. Why Langford has 40 home run pop in that bat. He set the record at Omaha for the longest home runs ever hit. And he did it twice. This is the type of guy that we're dealing with. Like, I think it's one a and one B in terms of hitters with Cruz and now Langford, the Texas Rangers are not only set up now to continue to win, but they're set up in the future. Like you said, arm, I just, it's, it's, it's crazy. Great job, Texas. 115, 115 mile an hour exit velocity. He posted uh, Langford at some point this year. And that's I think aluminum. The- that's like 95 and with wood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of the home runs, I think in Omaha went 450. 460. Uh, yeah, yeah four- that's, that's 280 feet with wood. Yeah. With- <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's exciting, man. And, and good run times too. I'm, 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 I'm really excited to update that Ranger system soon. Runtime also gets a lot worse with wood bats. Um, Walker <laughs> Jenkins, five to Minnesota. Steal. So easy. Again, like fell into their laps. I, I love that they didn't get cute and do the underslot thing. I think yep. we're under the assumption that Minnesota, if there was any team in the top five that was going to get cute, it would be the Twins at five. Uh, I'm really glad they didn't. Um, maybe they changed up their thought process I- when they saw Jenkins available. If Jenkins wasn't available and the top four went like the top four, do they take Clark at five? I don't know, but they see Jenkins available at five and they just fucking did it, man. And I love that. Props to them for pivoting. Uh, Cause I think that all indications where they were planning to underslot there, they don't when, when the player falls right into their lap and Peter asked a question on the stream, like, do you think any of these teams, when a player that seems like a slam dunk to not be there ends up falling to you? Like, do you think any of those teams like start to overthink it a little bit? And and I think in this spot, hundred percent, you had your plan to underslot at least reportedly. And like you could stick to it, you could 100% stick to your guns there, uh, but they didn't, and they went with the player that was far and away. I mean, it's a steep drop off, I think, from a lot of really good players, but a steep drop off from Jenkins downward. Um, I talk about you know, how how the swing reminds me of Manzardo, but the exit velocity is already better. He's six three. He's a better athlete. He can play center field. Like it, it's it's insane. Um, 
there's I hate calling guys in the top five steals, but there's a world where we look back at this draft and we're like, geez, how did he? Yeah, how was he there at five? Um, this is one of the guys I'm looking forward to the most in terms of when they debut. Yeah. Um, Peter, real quick before we do uh, our favorite picks and our least favorite picks, how do you say the name of the guy that went 11th to the Angels? Uh, Nolan Schmuel. <laughs> yeah, I no, I was trying to. I think, his, uh, I think his mom and dad say Shanwell, but let's go with Schmuel. I like Schmuel. It sounds cooler. <laughs> um, all right, Peter, let's start with you here. Pick. Um, I want you to pick two picks that you really liked. We'll, we'll circle around picks that we liked, and then we'll circle around picks that we didn't like. But Peter, you start with picks that we liked. So I thought there was a potential that Kyle Teal would go number five. Um, to the Minnesota Twins. I thought potentially they would underslot him there. I thought that Kyle Teal could go potentially at number six to the A's, but instead they drafted Jacob Wilson. There was a lot of different spots that I thought um, teams would draft Kyle Teal within the top 10. Um, And Kyle Teal went number 14 to the Red Sox. I thought it was one of the best picks in the entire draft, maybe for the value sense um, it is. Heim Bloom did an excellent job. Talk about the Twins not overthinking that one. You know, Kyle Teal's falling. Like maybe, you know, I could see front offices, right? We talked about kind of Waldrop, you know, the Guardians who are pitching Wizards, right? Seeing a data darling in Waldrop and not picking him. Maybe does a team get cold feet a little bit? Red Sox didn't get cold feet with a guy like Kyle Teal, a guy who was just so unreal in college. College catchers have been performing really well from the draft for a long time now. If you go through catchers that were drafted within the top 10, 20 picks. A lot of them have hit and Kyle Teal feels like that next pick. So if we're just talking about value picks at 14 to the Red Sox, Kyle Teal, the catcher from Virginia, just a phenomenal, phenomenal pick. I could run you through all the stats, but I think you're going to see them come through at the big league level. So there's no reason to tell you how well he did at Virginia. You're going to see it in the big leagues and just a fantastic pick 14 to the Red Sox, Kyle Teal. One more? Nah, you know what, Arm? Yeah, let's let's snake a little bit. I don't want to take the top two. All right, I'll 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 just add one one thing on Teal. You know, like I think people were kind of waiting for him to do something a little bit sophomore year to have a little bit more of the breakout. Had a good year, not a great one, and then just really went nuts this year. And you look at the contact rates. Overall contact rate of eighty four percent is 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 elite in, in the ACC. Zone contact rate at eighty seven percent. The approach is strong. I think some teams got spooked by you know the one the the one standout year, uh, and maybe not quite the performance uh, you know and on the Cape and things like that. But I, this was an absolute slam dunk. I I loved that pick to to your point, Peter. One that maybe not is like a, it might not be a steal or a guy that fell into their lap, but I just think is such a perfect fit and just just was the right pick and we mocked it even as well was Rhett Louder to the Cincinnati Reds. He just fits like a glove. Um, Louder is is one of those guys that I just I just really 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 like, and there's so much to like. I don't think there's anyone out there who doesn't like Rhett Louder. I mean, this guy won ACC Men's Player of the Year for the first time at Wake Forest since. Tim Duncan, uh, which kind of just shows you, you know, what he did for that program. But Louder, and I mentioned this on the stream, like to me, Louder, the moment where Louder really solidified himself as the number two pitching prospect in this draft was going toe to toe with Paul Skeens on the big stage and going seven innings of, you know, shutout ball with two walks and six Ks. It's not going to strike everybody out, but this Cincinnati Red system has a bunch of stuff over command guys. And Rhett Louder is, is a guy that just has a great feel 
for four pitches. Uh, the slider, he lands for a strike at a 73% clip, which is insane. I, the, the sinker is perfect because like you want a ground ball guy in great American ballpark. You, they have so many guys that just like try to run the high fastball. Like this is a guy with a nasty slider with, a, with a good sinker and a ground ball rate well over 50%. He fits like a glove with volatile arms. You have one of the highest forearms. In uh, the, the highest forearm in the draft, besides, I guess, Skeens, technically speaking, this was such a great snag for the Reds. And, and I think this was this was one of the better, better selections, even though it wasn't like a steal that fell into their lap. They had a lot of different ways that like routes they could have went here. And, and this was the right route for me. Can I just say, like, I want to shout a team out for mine. Um, San Francisco. Bryce Eldridge at 16, really interesting. We talked about it on the stream. Bryce Eldridge, two-way guy out of high school, James Madison High School in Virginia. And he's cut a lot like the Reggie Crawford cut in San Francisco. Reggie Crawford was a UConn guy last year uh, who was sidelined with Tommy John. Um, He came back, DH, mashed, larger-than-life human being. Bryce Eldridge, kind of same deal, 6'7", 225. Looks like the frame has room for somehow more. Uh, And if they've got Eldridge and Reggie Crawford sitting there, uh, I think that they're in a really good spot here with two guys that can legitimately be two-way guys. And I'm not talking Shohei Otani. I'm not even talking McKay because McKay was like a legitimate season starter. He looked like a starting pitcher. But like there's a world where I close my eyes and I see Eldridge, you know, DHing and and serving as the eighth-inning guy for Reggie Crawford, who's playing right field and comes in to close the game. Like it, it's such an unorthodox way of looking at baseball in 2023. And I love what Farhan Zaidi is doing there. But 16 Bryce Eldridge, 69, and Joe Whitman, the left-hander from Kent State, also went to San Francisco. And Whitman has a lot of subdued Carson Wisenhunt to me, where he's got a jumpy fastball. He's a big dude at 6'5, 200. He's cut so clean. And again, like everything jumps. I love the fastball. He's got a great changeup. I think those two picks stacked on top of each other where you have the uber volatile Bryce Eldridge and then you have the top college left-handed pitcher in Joe Whitman. I thought that was awesome draft strategy by San Francisco. Um, Another guy that I know... Aram really loved this selection was Braden Taylor at 19 to Tampa Bay. Um, Peter, I want to get your thoughts on Untaylor to Tampa as well before we move to some of the guys that we didn't really like. Um, But Aram, I just kind of want to open the floor to you uh, on Taylor going to Tampa. Yeah, this was a big dive when I was uh, on the flight here uh, watching a lot of the video, which was awesome because he he played that series in Texas. So we had some good angles there to look at. the swing is just so damn good. It reminds me of Christian Yelich. There's there's a lot of of, of Christian Yelich in there. Long levers generates more carry than you'd think for you know a guy that that is not the biggest in the world, but good bat speed, good field to hit, power to all fields. Uh, I don't think this was a guy that the Rays thought they'd get. Uh, I, the Rays always go high school and high school high upside, high risk. They don't care about the risk. They always swing for the fences. I had Aiden Miller mock to them, and, and and that was a guy that's one of my favorite prep power bats. But they go with they stray from the path, and and they were working out a lot of high school guys reportedly. So I, I don't think they're expecting Taylor to be there. And when he was there, they pivoted, and this was another one where I I like that they pivoted. Uh, they're a team that. If they believe in the bat, they'll take you. They don't care where you play or how well you play it. And I think this is a perfect example of that. Also, sneaky base stealer, just a really savvy player on the base paths, just a heady baseball player. But really, it's all about the swing for me. I think it's above average power, above average field to hit, and he gets into it in games. 
this guy's going to climb pretty quickly. And I, I think this was one, one of those picks that the Rays have to be amped that he fell to them at, at 19. Yeah. Peter, what do you yeah. think about Braden Taylor? So Arm and I got into a little bit of a spat off camera about Braden Taylor a little bit. No, just going back and forth as boys, just because Braden Taylor was getting mocked really, really high, right? He was getting mocked potentially at six of the A's or five to the twins. And my opinion about him was, I just think that's way too high for a guy where I don't know what position he's going to play, right? Could he move over to second base potentially? I just thought that everything has to work so well with the bat for him to be worth that high of a pick. But it's all relative, right? If he goes at 19 to the Rays, it turns to, damn, that's a pretty damn good pick. We were talking about with Jacob Gonzalez to the White Sox. Would I take him at five? No. 15? Okay, I could be convinced of that. Braden Taylor is the same thing, except he went 19 and then goes into a really good spot with the Tampa Bay Rays, right? So if Braden Taylor is a guy who has to hit the Rays are a team that can unlock some more of that. I just don't know where he's going to play. So that was my one concern with him because I watched him a lot at TCU. He just didn't look that great at third. Maybe he moves over to second. Maybe he gets better at third, right? These guys are all young, right? It's much easier to teach a guy to field than to teach a guy to hit. And he's going to hit. So if he can learn a position and be at least an average defender, I think he's going to be a good big, big leaguer. I was just he can't go that high with how much talent is in the draft. And he went 19, which I think is a good pick then. So I went from, "Eh, I'm not really a Braden Taylor guy to now I'm kind of a Braden Taylor guy. Depending on where he was drafted, if that that makes sense. So I think the Rays did very well there at 19. A couple other picks that I know all three of us kind of liked as a consensus on the stream um, and just working from the top of the draft down. Uh, Noble Meyer at 10. I know Arm freaking loved. Uh, and more on this probably uh, as we move forward. I, I guess we're going to do a, a little bit of that like overall player breakdown on the call up, right? So yeah. uh, Noble Meyer at 10 to Miami. Uh, I know we all liked. Uh, Arjun Namala at 20 to Toronto. I, I personally really liked. Arm, I know you liked. And Peter, I know you got giddy about that one too. Chase Davis at 21 to St. Louis. Peter nailed that line. Good on thank, you. Thank God. Under 21 and a half at plus 150. We were sweating there, ladies and gentlemen. Cardinals fans, I will always be a Chase Davis guy. No matter what now. I'm just going to propagandize him as like a great player because he got drafted exactly where I needed him to. Missed one at 13. Matt Shaw to the Cubs. I know uh, it was consensus really liked. Arms a big Matt Shaw guy. Um, and then Ralphie Velasquez, the Guardians at 23. was big time as well. That's, that's a bat that I feel a lot of people probably don't know a ton about and and you will soon i think he's gonna hit the ground running and, and be one of the like most productive high school bats like right away I, I i really like that one for the guardians and the guardians they like those higher floor bats that's a higher floor bat for a high school guy yeah it's funny though jack you haven't even mentioned my second favorite pick in this entire thing is that the yankees at 26 going george lombard jr out of gulliver prep high school in florida it is definitely not, even though now I'm buying in. But no, it was the guy who got drafted right behind him who I wish the Yankees grabbed. And that is Aiden Miller, who Arm talked about being one of his favorite power prep guys. Yeah. You know, you watch the swing, and it's really good. This guy can get into a ton of power. You know, he's got this commitment to Arkansas. So maybe going that deep in the draft, can the Phillies end up signing him? But it's Dave Dombrowski, guys. We talked about this in the draft stream. Like, I guarantee you, or I can't guarantee anything, but I bet that he called him and said, what's it going to take to get you on the Phillies? He probably gave him a number, and they're probably going to be able to match that. And Dave's like, we'll figure it out. (laughs) We'll figure it out. 
just I, I know Arm can give a better breakdown than I can, but you know, you watch this guy's swing and it's box office. Like he's just gonna get into a ton of power. And Arm, I'm sure you can talk more about him, but he was yeah. he was probably after Teal. Getting him at 27 is a phenomenal value pick. Yeah, you know, I think I think he was a signability concern once he slipped. You know, the, he's he's the older one of the older high school guys, and a lot of these teams operate on draft models now. And most of the draft models reject high school players that are like over the age of 19 so for whatever old. reason. Yeah, for whatever reason, it it, it has not trended well histor- historically uh, in terms of those players hitting. I don't I don't know why. I think that's weird, uh, but. The, the number one thing for me was one I don't really care about that when you when you look at this guy swing and when you look at this guy play and um you know it's it's a combination of a really impressive bat speed I think it's some of the best bat speed of any prep show there's one thing with the power but there's nothing with the bat speed there's a little bit of moving parts to his swing a little bit of a barrel tip it's surprising that he's able to still get to everything but it's a testament to that bat speed I talk about launch quickness this is some of the best launch quickness you're gonna see um I think once he slipped out, he's gonna he was gonna be a draft eligible sophomore because he's older. He was probably more than fine going to school because he's only going to school for two years at that point. Um, but the Phillies felt like, hey, we can swing for the fences here. We can we can take the, by far the best player available. Again, I had him mock to to the Rays because I thought he fit like a glove there as a power guy. That you know, that's exactly what they look for: power corner guys out of high school. And you know, for the Phillies, I thought this was a really, really good get for them as if they're able to sign him. And and I think they'll find a way. Real quick before we uh, wrap with our home run derby picks, um, we don't need to bury guys, but one pick that you didn't really like at all, and. Uh, I'm omitting Max Clark. Nobody can choose Max Clark at three because we already talked about the pick. Fair? Fair. I'm going to start us with like the consensus worst pick. I think this is the layup pick for me, so you guys have to get creative after this. Uh, Kyle Teal was still on the board at eight, and Kansas City opted for Blake Mitchell, the catcher out of Sinton High School in Texas. What are we doing? Blake Mitchell has the chance to be a really good catcher. He's a high school catcher. High school catchers are the toughest draft ever. I think like it is so hard to project how a guy's going to handle a staff level by level. This guy's going to start at the complex. You have somebody that you know can be a really good catcher at the major league level. You know can be a really good hitter at the major league level. And oh, by the way, he spent three years at one of the best programs in college baseball, and you don't take him. You take the catcher that is three years younger from him and uh, exponentially less seasoned. So Kansas City at eight, opting for Blake Mitchell over Kyle Teal. Gave me a headache, and that's mine. Yeah, I mean to to add on Mitchell Hamak twenty ninth to the to the Mariners. Um, it, it's a monstrous arm, seventy arm. He's ninety six on the mound, and I think they they fell in love with the tools. But it's a fringy hit tool, and that's the biggest thing. Is like a lot of these high school catchers, they never hit enough. It's a it's a fringy hit tool right now, and you know potentially above average power. He could turn into a phenomenal player, and then the Mariner or excuse me, the um, Royals. Royals saw something special and, and and nabbed him, but you know I think I thought this was a little different than the top ten high school undersaw it with Frank Mazzucato. I liked that yeah. pick. This is this is a bit of a head scratcher to go to the mo- one of the most risky profiles, especially when Teal is there. I'm with you, Jack, and I think he could be a very good player, but just in terms of of percentages, I thought this was was a bit of a head scratcher. And um, there's you'll see if he hits, but the tools behind the dish are good. Yeah, what's your bad pick? For me, look, and I've heard nothing but great things about this guy, so I hate I hate saying it, but Brock Wilkin, I, I don't I don't really get it. Um, this is a guy that 
we actually had mocked to the Brewers in, in the comp round. Um, so Brock Wilkin at 18 to the Brewers, you know, Wake Forest guy, you have tons of production, right? He had 30 home runs this year. He's at 71 home runs in his collegiate career, but he's big, 6'3", 235 pounds, pretty stiff, not much defensive value at third, a lot of pressure on the bat. And I this was a dive where I, I was a little disappointed with with the ability to recognize spin and and hit spin and then when you when you dive into the numbers hit a buck 92 against curveballs he hit a lot of home runs so it buoyed the you know the ops but a buck 92 against curveballs in zone whiff rates of over 25% against sliders and curves and changeups um but that's the kind of guy that gets to pro ball and he's a college guy. They're going to put him straight in high A. I think he's going to struggle. I hope I'm wrong. Like he seems like a, an awesome dude. And again, I've heard nothing but great things. It gets into his power and games unbelievably well. He doesn't hit the ball on the ground. And, and you can imagine what he can do in that stadium. And, you know, I think they maybe saw some shades of Joey Weimer and they're like, oh, you know, we were able to get him to hit enough. Yeah, maybe, maybe he'll hit enough. But I have some serious concerns about the hit tool for Wilkin. That said, there's enough power there where he'll, he'll still be somewhat of a valuable piece. He can run into enough homers. But at 18, it was surprising for me. I, I would love him at 30-something, but way too early when you have some of the guys on the board there, like Aiden Miller. Um, you know, I just thought there was a lot of better options on the board, and, and I was surprised to see that one. Peter, who's your fart noise pick? funny i think you guys only you mentioned all the fart noise picks so i think left there wasn't any picks that i really didn't like i think the only ones that i want to highlight now is ones that i'm very interested to see that i guess i'm more down on than where the pick was and i think that starts with jacob wilson at six days like do i think that jacob wilson if i had to bet on five guys to make the major leagues jacob wilson might make that list but do I think he's going to be a relatively good major leaguer? I'm not so sure, right? Yes. Did he hit over 400 at Grand Canyon? Yes. Did he strike out only five times? Yes. There's no swing and miss to his game. Seems like a perfect Cleveland Guardian. But at the same time, it seems like one of those Cleveland Guardians that hits 270 and has five home runs and doesn't strike out at all. And it's just Tyler not that Freeman. impactful of a player, right? So I look at a guy like Jacob Wilson and I think to myself at six, yeah, like would I, if he was drafted 16, it's a good pick, right? Because he is six foot three. He is 190 pounds. He does have those bloodlines with Jack Wilson, who was a former major league shortstop and a really good one at that. Could he develop into some power, but to the A's, like are the A's going to unlock something with him? I'm not totally sure. So that's why, like, I think you guys highlighted some picks who I thought were bad picks yeah, Jacob Wilson could end up being a fine player, but at six, I just thought it was a little bit too early. Another so, guys, who, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say one thing on Jacob Wilson, real quick, from a data perspective, and, and the one thing I noticed I mentioned on the stream is like you look at all of the trade returns that the A's have had. They don't want the super prospect. They want the Kyle Mullers and they want like those kind of high floor, the Siri Ruiz's, the high probability big leaguers. I feel like they they just feel more confident about those guys and then they feel like they can piece it together otherwise. I don't know why they take that approach, but they love the high probability big leaguers. It's just been the way that they do it. My I have a, I have a sample of about 40 games data-wise from Jacob Wilson and in that sample of 40 games, his max exit velocity was 104.5 miles per hour with metal. With with metal. 
There is not one major league baseball player that is a regular with a max exit velocity below 103 miles per hour. You cannot succeed, basically, statistically speaking, in major league baseball with a max exit velocity below 103 miles an hour. And I think there's a legitimate chance this max exit velocity may be below that with Wood. To Peter, like Peter said, there's room for 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 muscle. He, he's very wiry, and I think that's the the hope here. The floor is definitely high. the The makeup is is off the charts. The bloodline yeah. is there. He's so safe. But what is safe? Nick Allen was safe, and, you know, and and I think he's way more projectable than Nick Allen. But yeah, like, is just Kevin Newman, like great, Kevin Newman? yeah, that might be what you're hoping for. Is Kevin Newman. like cool? Like at six, if they save a, a shit ton of money. Then okay, but yeah, I I just didn't love that one either. Uh, but again, like at least he could get to the big leagues pretty easily. Um, that's that's the saving grace. Yeah, all right. I think um, I think another pick that I felt was just so interesting, and um, we kept talking about it in the in the live stream was Herson Waldrop to the Braves, and it's you know. He's a data darling. You look at the RPMs on his on his pitches. You look at the split change, and he's just so nasty. And when, then when you watch him pitch at Florida, he kind of gets hit, right? He's not this dominant pitcher that Rhett Lauder was at Wake Forest. He's not this dominant pitcher that Paul Skeens was. And he slid for a reason. I think a lot of teams had worries about him. And you guys brought up a great point, so I don't want to steal your guys' thunder. This is something that Jack and Arm brought up on the show, and I thought it was a really, really good point, is that the Braves have been making their money from the second round on. When we look at how they've done in the first round of drafts, it hasn't been very good. J.R. Ritchie, Owen Murphy, Ryan Cusick, Jared Schuster, Brandon, Braden Shoemake, Shaylan Lears, Carter Stewart, Kyle Wright, Joey Wentz, Ian Anderson. Those are all the picks since 2016 in the first round. Now there's some good hits there, but it's not like the Braves have this track record of being incredible in the first round. What I think they did was they swung for the fences. If it all clicks for Hurston Waldrop, we could look back on this draft in 10 years and say, Waldrop fell to 24? And of course the Braves got him. But at the same time, we could look back on this draft and be like, Herson Waldrop was a first rounder. So I, is that a bad pick? No, it's the Braves. They have all the riches in the world and they are in a prime position to swing for the fences. So I don't hate the pick. I just find it very interesting that some of the best organizations when it comes to pitching passed on him and the Braves kind of said, fuck it. And we're just like, it's Herson Waldrop. Look at the stuff. Maybe he could be something with us. So while it's not a bad pick at all, it's the most interesting pick in the draft, I think. Yeah, I, I don't I don't love it. And the more I think about it and the more I dig into it too. So like I'm I'm interested to see how he does. His fastball got shellacked, by the way. Opponents hit, hit over 300 against it with a near thousand OPS zone contact nearly at 90% for a 96 mile an hour fastball in college. That's bad. Uh the breaking ball wasn't good. It was a hundred percent the splitter for him, and the splitter was unhittable. But like, you can't just ride a splitter to success professionally. Guys will just shut down anything that starts at the knees, 
and and you're going to have to try to beat them with something else. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Braves can try to develop Waldrip. And, you know, like like you mentioned, Peter, like that was the big key on the stream is like they've gone high risk, high reward arms in the past, you know, in, in the first round. They're fine with that. And they're confident that they'll find the the Spencer Schwellen box in the second, third round. They're the, the Mike Harris's of the world, uh, the A.J. Smith Shavers of the world and, you know, and the Spencer Striders of the world. So that's what they do. Um I, I did think that was a, a little bit of, of a head scratcher pick before we move on to the one thing that I wanted to say with the silver lining of the A's, they probably use those savings to sign or to draft and p- presumably sign miles Naylor, you know, of the Naylor lineage, uh, you know, brother of Josh and Bo, and we well, know how special bring him to uh, Vegas, talk about maybe. bloodlines. I think that's a really good snag there. Miles Naylor is, is obviously a, a special talent, so they're able to use those savings to get another really interesting middle infielder. So that that was an interesting wrinkle in it as well. Um, but yeah, it was it was an it was an interesting draft all around. Again, we'll we'll break down like each player in depth, data wise, scouting report wise on the call up. But um, I also just wanted to give a shout to the Ralphie Velasquez pick. I thought that was awesome. I agree that the Arjun Amalo was a great pick. Um, but yeah, th- this this will be fun to kind of break down and and look back on and uh, get some early returns soon. Last one that I really liked though, Colin Hauk by the Mets. Um, I thought the the blend of Hauk and Sprout was 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 nice. Um, I I think Hauk was one of the more well rounded high school prospects. I think I saw fifty to fifty five tools across the board. There's not something crazy to dream on like some of the other guys, and I think that might might have been why he slipped. But Hauk Hauk was a damn good pick at thirty two for the Mets. Yeah. All right. Real quick to end the pod. Um, let's build out the bracket for the home run derby. Let's pick a champ. Should we do the just baseball home run derby bracket? I think that's the way to go. Um, Let's do it. One one last thing. Paul Skeen, Dylan Cruz, first pair of teammates ever to go one and two. Kind of cool. No, I mean, Andy Davis cool. and Michael Kidd Gilchrist did it in 2012. That's basketball. This is the just baseball show. Got it. Sorry. Um, all right. Home run derby tonight at eight o'clock or seven o'clock. It's later. It's later tonight. Tonight. <laughs> people know if you listen to the show you know what the home run derby is yes and and like just go just go figure it out um robert is the one seed adley rutschman is the eighth seed very easy i'm clicking lou bob yeah adley's gonna put on an incredible performance of how to hit doubles up against the wall louis robert is gonna destroy him hard one hoppers off the wall lou bob arm yeah, Peter and I were talking. I was like, I think, I think Adley's going to grind out some good abs. You know, <laughs> ma- ma- make them work. Yeah, battle out there. Absolutely no disrespect to Adley Rutschman at all. He might be one of the best pure hitters in this entire thing. But a home run derby. I mean, yeah. like, how many Oppo like doubles down the lines is he going to get? If he can master the like swapping back and forth and preserving the energy, that's one way uh, that he can pull this up. That's what I'm saying. I think you can go back and forth. My 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 good friend Mike Rothenberg did it uh, in the collegiate home run derby, and it helped him. He went really cold from the left side, switched back around to the right side, bomb, 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 bomb. Helped him go to the final. But you know, it, it also you know at the end of the day, if you're tired, you're tired. So um, it can only help you so much. I I think you know Louis Roberts going to be everybody's favorite. I, I, J Rod, you know, has such a tough draw, but with the crowd behind him, I do think this is the year that Pete Alonso goes down. He's been a little banged up this year. Um, you know, I think he might be a little bit comfortable after winning it multiple times um, and kind of feeling like he can back into it. But on the same side, you know, the other voice in my head is like, 
this guy wins it so easily every year <laughs> that he might just win it easily again. I don't know, but I feel like I feel like we're gonna finally see a little bit of a change. And J Rod's gonna have the crowd behind him. J Rod's gonna feel like he he wants to kind of push it across the finish line this time after his performance last year. A, a J Rod, what could we get a J Rod Lou Bob final? Arm just yes. went through the whole bracket. Yeah, he just went through the entire bracket without me. We were gonna go one by one, and Arm just gave his full prediction. Yeah, did I? Yes. Whoops. Um. <laughs> yes, we can get a J Rob Blue Bob final. <laughs> to answer, I don't question. even know the bracket. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> four and five: Adolis Garcia and Randy Arozarena. Again, it's late. Everybody, Adolis and Arozarena. I go with Adolis just because I think this guy is like true pop we're gonna see some crazy distance numbers put up from adolis garcia i think adolis garcia could win it if this wasn't randy rosarina and the bright lights that's just someone i can't bet against i mean and adolis has more power should win but it's randy and it's randy and the lights in front of a crowd he's gonna be electric and i think he gets through just based on plums and the colby olsen model says if you're if you're over 26 in this you're washed you're credit Credit Both to Colby, though. So there's an article on JustBaseball.com with a lot of our home run derby picks, and Colby has been nails uh, predicting the winner of this. And it's the system. It's very simple. You got to be 26 years or younger, and you have to have a max exit velocity of 115 miles an hour or above. And it makes sense, right? The younger guys have more stamina, and then if you hit the ball harder, it's walk, easier to hit it out. You're going to yeah. hit home runs. Yeah. And he nailed Pete Alonso. He went J-Rod last year, who lost in the finals to Juan Soto, who then also fit that mold. And of the participants, three guys fit that mold. Vladdy, Luis Robert, and Julio Rodriguez. Okay. Um, I like it. Now, it's always kind of old. Low-key, deceptively 30. 30. <laughs> Sneaky 30. All right. We, we're jumping around. I feel like we've just totally given the pitch for, like, each guy in the derby here. So we're going to fill this out lightning quick and go to bed. Um, Luis Robert over Adley Rutschman. A Rosarena over Adolis Garcia, yes? Bright lights. Yeah, bright lights. Um, <laughs> Vladdy or Mookie Betts? Vladdy. Mookie, again, kind of similar to Adley. He's going to put on a clinic of how to, like, hit the ball the other way. We we brought this up. Mookie tied for the most three homer games in big league history. Like, that guy knows how to hit a ball over a fence. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. in a home run derby for a reason, but he ain't beating Vladdy. Remember Vladdy in his first season? I think it was back in 2019. Hit, like, 78 home runs in a round. Ground ball rate too high. I'm going to I'm gonna sneak. I, Mookie's all about angles. I think he's got the perfect swing for it. I'm going to go Mookie. I like it. All right. Well, Vladdy. you're outnumbered 2-1. So, Vladdy advancing in the just baseball bracket. Pete Alonso or Julio Rodriguez in the first round? I'm going Julio. Julio. Hometown guy. Knows T-Mobile Park very well. Fits the mold. I think he soars. He was also electric in the first round. You know, we talk about Pete Alonso having that familiarity. Julio Rodriguez made the finals last year in his first time. I think he moves past Pete. I think Pete's getting a little old, even though he's going to pray probably before the home run derby. Um, yeah, give me Julio. Okay. Uh, Luis Robert or Randy or Rosarena? Or do you guys disagree? Anyone taking Pete? No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. He's got the crowd behind him. It goes a long way when you're tired. Yep. Lou Bob or Rosarena? <sighs> I think this might be the best showdown of the, of the night. Yeah. I think the freaking Alonzo is, but... The, Lou Bob or Rosarena? 
the freak of nature versus bright lights. Give me I'm, Randy. I just I can't bet against him. I'm gonna go. I, I think Lou Bob's gonna put on a freak show. Yeah, freak show. Like I think this is gonna be a statement one where like we're gonna say he needs to be in it every year. I hear you. I hear you because Randy's Randy, and I'll, I I I could side with the belief of never betting against him. But I'm gonna go with the other freak show and and Lou Bob. I think he's gonna do some crazy shit. Okay, here here's my take. Lou Bob sets a record for home runs in the first round. Gets a little bit tired. And Randy squeaks it out on like a walk off, and I do like that. I do like that. So I think Lou Bob literally looks like the greatest home run derby participant of all time in round one. Then gets edged. Josh Hamilton's himself. Yeah, Josh Josh Hamilton's himself. Yeah, he gets too crazy himself. Didn't Vladdy just do that too? Oh yeah, Vladdy did do it. What's all right? You can be the tiebreaker, Jack. Uh, Luis Robert. Like this guy is Homer. This guy's had jack shit to play for all year. You don't think he's getting that for me? <laughs> like, come on now. You're betting so, against this? I am. I am betting against, like, the, the arms cross shrug thing. Um, Vladdy versus Julio Rodriguez. Hometown kid. I think Julio wins it, honestly. Yeah, give me Julio. I think he cruises. But I think Vladdy is another one of the Lubob stories. Hits 78 home runs in the first round yeah. and then gets a little bit tired and Julio outlasts him. I don't know if Vladdy's in the best cardiovascular shape relative to the other guys. Um, I'm yeah, J Rod. That's that's where the ground ball rate shows up. Yeah, yes. yeah. Guys hitting some real hard negative oh, two yeah. launch angle one uh, tens, one twenty fives. That's Velo records, but it's so on the Straight ground. Straight in the ground, like, kills someone in the outfield. Yeah. Okay, title: Luis Robert, Julio Rodriguez. God, that's gonna be a banger. That's gonna be a banger. I go Luis Robert, but I think I'm gonna lose here to you two guys. Yep, yep. J Rod, we're going with the J Rod show. I just, I just think it means more. It just means more. Yeah, just like the SEC. I say, call him the SEC. It means more. I think I'm gonna be end up betting on Randy at plus nine hundred on BetMGM and Julio at plus five hundred on BetMGM. Those are probably gonna be my sprinkles. I'm very excited for this home run derby. I think they're going to meet in the finals and I'm going to be sitting there looking pretty. And with that said, it's probably going to be Luis Robert versus Vladdy and I lose, but I'm going to have a lot of fun doing it on bet MGM and might as well use code just baseball. Get all those bonus bets back. Completely mm-hmm. sit on the home run derby. And if yeah, you lose, if it loses, yeah, there you go. You probably, you probably will. If I'm being yeah. honest with you, like I will too. So like, it's probably Mookie versus Adley in the final. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, but it's, it's going to be a fun time and we'll all be all over bet MGM. So make sure to use that. You can get the money back. Five stars. Um, review on Apple pods. If it's positive. Could be negative. Only if, only if it's positive. What else? Go to the site. We have awesome stuff coming out constantly on the website. Yep. Um, and with that, yeah. Thank you, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.